Go For Side Effects is sponsored by Wild Branch Products. Wild Branch is a truly pure cannabis oil. They make CBD containing 0.00% THC and no carrier oils. Use Wild Branch oils and salves to calm, cool, and soothe your body, leaving you pain-free. I can tell you, using this product, I was able to go to Santa's Wonderland with my family. I put on the salve. I used the oils. I was able to walk for hours. I believe in this product 100%. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Click the link below. Thank you. Welcome to Go For Side Effects. I'm your host, Kevin Simon. Today, we got a group of Army men and women that served in the 593rd and 516th Signal Company. I'm going to welcome each and every one of y'all. How are y'all doing? Hey, Kevin. Doing great. All right. So, Jeffrey, you're the one that got a hold of me. Please introduce everybody. Okay, sure will. Um, so my name is Jeffrey Collins, uh, and like I said, we I was with Five Ninety Third Signal Company, and uh, we have Jimmy Nelson, uh, Sid McAllister, uh, Blaine Blaine. I just Blaine Berg. Sorry, Blaine. I spaced your name for a minute. Uh, Mitch Mitchner, and then we have Tiffany uh, Chavez from Five Sixteen Signal Company. We all served together during Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Uh, we were located in Saudi Arabia. I think a couple of guys might have been in Iraq. And then a couple of us went over to Bahrain after the war. And uh, from there, I'll kind of let you you do your thing. (laughs) All right. So this is, this hasn't been done before with this many people on a podcast at one time, but I'm more excited for the fact that all y'all were pretty much together the whole time in different areas, but y'all were still together. Y'all served. Y'all know, y'all know each other and you, you still keep in contact, which is fantastic. And so each individual, I'm going to start with Jeffrey. I just want to know when y'all went in and, and how long you served and where, where you were, your home station base was. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I joined 1987 when I was 17 years old, uh, went into, um, you know, Fort Jackson did, did AIT at Fort Gordon, just spent two years in Germany, uh, over 97 signal company, uh, excuse me, 97 signal battalion with a NATO unit. And, uh, and then after that, I, uh, went to 593rd signal company, 86 signal battalion, 11th signal brigade in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and, uh, spent, uh, about a year and a half there. And like I said, we wound up, uh, after August 2nd happened, they locked us down shortly after. And then I think we deployed right at the end of October, uh, first of November, uh, I think Sid, myself, Jimmy, maybe a couple others. I'm not sure about uh, a couple of the others, but uh, we took C5s over to uh, Dover. From Dover, we went to Spain. Spain, we flew to Dahran, and uh, then we went to Escom Village in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and we set up our company there. And uh, you know, kind of, kind of went from there, set everything up, and waited for the rest of our equipment to arrive. All right, well, Sid, let's go with you. When, when did you join? 
about the same story uh, Jeff had. I joined the Army in 1987, Fort, uh, Fort Jackson for basic. Spent uh, eight months at Fort Gordon because 36 Lima AIT was eight months long. Uh, headed over to Germany, did two years there, 34 Signal Battalion, 93rd Signal Brigade. Actually uh, went on PCS leave just before Saddam invaded Kuwait and I'm sitting at home watching this unfold on CNN. Yeah, my mom's sitting there going, well, you're going to have to go. I was like, I don't know. Uh, got to uh, 593rd Signal Company at Fort Huachuca and we didn't have a lick of equipment in the motor pool. We had a tow truck, <laughs> we had a switch, we had maybe a shelter and the, the, the two companies hadn't even been activated. Nope. The rest of the the rest of the brigade starting to get deployed. 505th was already on ground in uh, Saudi Arabia. And then uh, I think it was October, they put us on 30 minute recall, said, uh, we're going. And next thing you know, we're running equipment through paint boost, turn it into sand color. We jumped on C5s and off we went. And y'all remember sitting in Madrid, Spain for 24 hours waiting for them to replace an engine on our C5? I remember One being there. I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were there for a while. We landed at Riyadh and, and uh, 593rd was supporting Army Central Command, so we had to come up on comms real quick. Uh, so we didn't waste any time once we hit the ground. Wow, that is fantastic. So, Tiffany, go ahead. I'd like you to, to kind of get into when you joined and you're amongst the group of guys that I'm sure you ruled the roost, right? <laughs> uh, I was pretty sassy back then. I joined when I was 17 in 89. Um, I turned 18 in basic training and I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic in November, December, and January. I grew up on the beach in Florida. So obviously that kind of snow was a shell shock for me. And then I went to Fort Gordon for 31Q. And then I left Fort Gordon and went to Keesler Air Force Base for, I think it was, was it Yankee 10, Jeffrey? And that's how I met Jeff. I believe it was Yankee 10. Or yeah, Yankee, Yankee 6. 10. It's been a while. <laughs> I, I was thinking it was Yankee 10 Delta 6. That's, yeah, that's Yankee what? 10 Delta 6, that's it. Yeah, and then uh, I went to Fort Huachuca. And I went into the 526. I was going to be in the 516th, but like they said, we, I mean, when I went into 526, 516th didn't even have a building yet. And then when they moved over to 516th, 516th was not being deployed. And I had to go before the board and get permission to go back to 526 so that I could even deploy because my unit was not deploying. And then I went over and I was there probably almost a year. And then I went over to Bahrain and I spent time with Jeff over in Bahrain too. And then I came back and was stationed at Fort Huachuca again. Wow. Blaine, it's your turn. And I'm still mad right. at you for not braiding. You're bigger. I'm just telling you. Sorry, sorry. I was a busy <laughs> guy right up until the last minute here. So uh, I have a very similar to... Said we 
you know, I joined in 87 for Jackson, went to Fort Gordon for our AIT. We were in the same class together. And, but I also went to Germany, but we went to different installations. I was around Darmstadt. I don't know where he was, Stuttgart or something. And then we came back to Fort Huachuca two years later. And yeah, very similar situations, uh, you know, when Saddam invaded Kuwait. And then I called the unit and my, it happened to be the first Sergeant Lusk was the acting Sergeant Major of the brigade at that particular time. And I called and he, I told him, hey, I'm supposed to report. Do I need to come early? And uh, he's like, just enjoy your leave. When you get here, you get here. So did all of that. And then, you know, deployed the whole thing with the C5 had the bad engine and we had to wait in Rio or Spain. Uh, and then after coming back from, you know, we did our thing there. After we came back, I, uh, I stayed in. Had too many units to, to go into, but then I in seven and eight, I did a 16 month tour over in Iraq and um, finally retired out of uh, Fort uh, Lewis here in Washington State and retired in 09 after 21 plus years. So, um, oh, congratulations! Thank you, congratulations, Mitch. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I've got a totally different story. I went in in uh, end of 83 and uh, didn't leave till uh, September of 84. I went to Fort Dix. Then I went to Fort Hood, first cab in, uh, let's see, 80, 86. No, hold on, 85, March 85. And then I left there in September of 86 and did my first tour with uh, in Korea with 44th engineers. Liked it so much that I stayed an extra year uh, till the end of 88. Got to see the Olympics. Um, what else? And then I re-enlisted Camo. Biggest mistake I ever did. <laughs> We already had this talk, me, me and Berg earlier. <laughs> I was telling how much I hated Camo. <laughs> but I was a cable dog, so it was different. Wow. Yeah, we were scumbags. Cable dogs were scumbags, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> oh, let's see what else. Uh, was in with 593rd? Now, I joined 593rd in uh april of would it have been april of 90 after my third to basically my third tour in korea and at that time there was no companies well there was the companies kind of but the buildings were down by the gas station and me and a couple other guys were the ones that built it and then i in processed a lot of these guys to fort huachuca Jeff, I drank with you down in Mexico, me, you, and Tyree. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I mean, um, and then I went to the, now I was on the advance party, so I left in August. Around the, I think around the 15th, I was with the 11th, or 86 signal, what would they call that? You guys remember Task Force 86? Okay, I didn't know about that. Yeah, and we left in August. 
And I we landed in Riyadh, and I've wired up buildings in Riyadh, Dharan, KKMC, and a couple other places. And uh, matter of fact, you guys, Sid, you probably know this. Um, when I came back to the unit after they got there, since nobody else knew how to splice, I was the one that spliced the main frame upstairs in the building. There at Scott Village at the uh, schoolhouse. Yes, upstairs. Remember, we put it on that piece of wood. The, the yep, phone. Yep, right there in the war room. Yep. Yeah, that was all wired by me and McClin and Ritter. But nobody knew how to splice that shit except for me. It was a trip. <laughs> but the only reason I learned that is because of those guys that, that I left with the advance party on. They showed me how to do that, all that stuff. All right, man. All right, Jimmy. Cool. Let's hear it. Who, me? Yeah. Uh, I wish my memory was, was that good. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a lot of good stuff. Basically, all you got to do with me is take my name and copy and paste it right on top of Jeff's, uh, of, of his synopsis. <laughs> Because basically, we met actually at the MEP station in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, and and we were in the same place from that moment on all the way to ETS. So everywhere Jeff said that he went, that's where I was. Uh, every, every single unit, basic AIT, uh, unit over in Germany, 97, which, which I really missed. Uh, that was fun. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 and it's funny, I was young and dumb, and I complained about not having MTV and all the stupid crap back home. But then when I left, I've, I've missed Germany ever since. Uh, and and basically, uh, the same unit in Fort Huachuca with, with 86 and 593rd. And yeah, when we showed up, uh, yeah, the, the company had a name, but we were showing up uh, for formation and civilian clothes and just being dismissed. You know, okay, go go do something, whatever. And uh, it was it was real close to to uh, uh, invasion time uh, when we finally started building things up. And uh, and it was like went from, like I said, showing up in civilian clothes and just doing nothing to all of a sudden, you know, driving freaking all these shelters up into the back of C5s and going to uh, going to Saudi Arabia. It was a trip. And uh, got, you know, we, of course, we got back. We all came back to Fort Huachuca about the same time. Uh, damn near got killed <laughs> crashing in freaking uh, uh, Spain, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, Rome, Italy. Yeah. Rome. Yeah, Italy. Yeah, that was it. One of them countries over there. Right. And, uh, and of course, after that, once we got back, I was, they just turned us loose and, we were just running around acting crazy, having a good time, and it was about time for me to out process. So I really didn't do anything when we got back except just run around that crazy and then out process and leave, drive home. When did you get out, Jeff or Jim? Uh, I got out. It was uh, September, uh, September 91. Okay. Around the, the 9th. Actually, it was it was August because, you know, we had that, had that 30 days leave built up. And she just, you know, got out a month early. Uh, so, yeah, it was actually around the 9th of, of August. Uh, now, did drove. any of you guys do the convoy? 
I did the convoy where we drove the trucks from Fort Huachuca to the docks in LA. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I drove I, I drove my five ton and my generator with my van on the back of it and then my generator behind it where we slept like on top of our trucks in a like a fairground or something. <laughs> oh, that would be exciting. You see, that's <laughs> why I joined the Navy right there. That's the whole reason I joined. I you knew you were going to sleep that night. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeffrey. Let's get into talking about the stuff that y'all saw out during the Gulf War. The smoke. Okay. What y'all were exposed to. I, I want to get into a li little bit of that. Okay, you bet. So, hey, if you don't mind, Kevin, I'm going to back up just a hair and kind go of go ahead. back over. You know, uh, I know that this show is for veterans and also combat veterans and stuff like that. So I'd like to emphasize, that, you know, not just combat, um, you know, creates problems in the military. You have MST, which is a huge issue, uh, still is now. It was back then to, to a degree. I don't think it was nearly as bad or, well, or it was more concealed. But uh, I think it's worth noting that, you know, um, you know, Jimmy and I were basically training together and uh, we had a guy uh, committed suicide. He blew his brains out. And, you know, we we saw him, you know, uh, with his head wide open and, you know, his his brain out and his, you know, the brownish stuff coming out and everything. And and, uh, you know, the drill sergeants, I don't think they knew how to act. So they were pretty tough about it, saying, you know, this is not this guy's helmet because this one doesn't have all in it, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we also, when we were in Germany, um, we had uh, <clears throat> August of 89, the sign uh, air show was going on, excuse me, August of 88, um, uh, I think, um, air show was going on, it killed 70 people, and a lot of us were there, and we, you know, kind of saw the, the trauma from that, um, and then in uh, uh, December 21st, 1988, when Lockerbie, um, Pan Am Flight 103, was downed in Lockerbie from the terrorist from Libya. Uh, we had three people from our battalion that were on that plane. Um, and it, you know, th th those things impact you and they, and they have an impact in your life. And they real they make you realize, especially when you're 18 years old, that uh, what you're doing is high risk. You know, there's a lot to it. And, and I think that we need to emphasize that you don't necessarily have to be in a combat zone to have experienced a lot of things in the military that can cause problems later on in life. Oh, that's very true. Uh, that's yeah, I think it's point. worth mentioning, you know, because I think maybe people don't really realize that. Um, but as far as uh, what it happened to us, um, we, we got in Escon Village. Uh, we set up, you know, we, we, we built the, uh, the barracks up and we put up sandbags and everything. And then we actually, for us, we deployed uh, December 26, 1990. And Jimmy and I uh, went to a, a site called Kilo Romeo 1-1. And we were there, um, and as, you know, and let me back up a little bit too, I apologize. In Escon, we ate food where we would vomit and have diarrhea and stuff because we were eating food. We found out later on, I found out later on, it's called L. Escon disease, where we were actually drinking contaminated water where their uh, Escon originally was built so that the uh, Bedouins could bring their falcons and hunt pigeons. And of course, when you have pigeons, you're going to have cats. So these water tanks they had that were in the village had contamination from dead pigeons, dead cats, uh, stuff like that. We were drinking this, not realizing that. And then the food, um, we got sick from the food several times. Where, like I said, I know I, I personally, you know, was vomiting and, and had diarrhea both multiple occasions. Um, so it wasn't the greatest environment, you know, as far as it was not everything was clean. We were able to take showers every day, but you know, not everything was clean. 
uh, as far as the food we were getting from contractors, our clothes, when we would get our BDUs washed, we'd get them back. They'd smell, smell like mildew. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't smell clean. They sometimes smell like gasoline, like the, they not, not heavy, heavy, but you could smell the gasoline like they had used the water from something that probably shouldn't have been, you know, had detergent in it to wash clothes. Um, and then when we were out, you know, at uh, Kilo Romeo 11, uh, the first night of the war, Jimmy and I, and, and we had 13 people on our site. We were hit real heavy um, with uh, Scud missiles and Patriots. And we were about probably, Jimmy, probably what, about two miles from our air base? I think it was about three clicks. Okay. Yeah. So pretty close to an air base. And when we could look over and see it from where we were and uh, they, they, they were trying to hit the air base and the Patriot battery didn't know where we were. So they fired to take the scuds down and they damn near killed all of us in the process of it. Um, I was Mr. Panic and I, and I, trust me, I got, I got made fun of quite a bit the last, the next couple of weeks after, but I played chicken little and ran around like my head was cut off and uh, I didn't get my mask sealed. So I inhaled all the fumes from the Patriots, the scuds, you know, whatever payload, rocket propellant, everything that was in there. Uh, I inhaled all that. And uh, that, that was kind of our experience as far as um, close contacts. And then we, you know, saw scuds come over every night and that's where Sid Blaine and those guys could fill that in because they were back a little further back and they were able to see a lot more activity back there as well. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and then, it was, I'm sorry, one more thing, Kevin, I apologize. That's fine. So fine. In that go night, ahead. we went to KKMC and in KKMC, we were um, there in March of 91. And I don't know if you remember KMC, KMSCA Munitions Dump. Um, I think 18th Airborne was the guys that were blowing it up, but they were supposed yeah. to blow it up to get rid of all the sarin, cyclosarin, and mustard gas. I thought that was it, at Katsimir or some shit like that, not KKMC. No, no, it was it was Kamasia, Iraq. But the plume, the plume from the explosion, because they didn't incinerate it at a high enough temperature, it carried out about 150 clicks. And uh, the CIA and DOD did studies back in 96 and again in 2000 looking at the weather patterns. And at first they said there was only about 500 people affected by it. And then when they did the studies again in 2000, they realized over 150,000 soldiers and other you know, military members have been affected by the Camasilla munitions explosions. And we had all inhaled uh, sarin, cyclosarin, and mustard gas during that time frame. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> not good. <laughs> not at all. I mean, that's kind of like, a, you know, the Portage Ball, you know, all, all there, even by Rand. They found out that Saddam was spraying us with mustard gas with a helicopter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That, I mean, oh. yeah, and they, they now believe that also when he blew up all the oil wells in there, he put it in, in there, the sarin gas and the IEDs, all that stuff had mustard gas inside. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And that's a really good point, Kevin. I actually forgot about the oil wells. We, we literally lived in a black and white movie for four months because yeah. the oil wells are burning so intensely you look at the sky and the sky was white not not clear right. with the blue sky it was white and the sun was black and that's what it looked like it was a black orange and that's what our world looked like for several months where it, you know we were inhaling all this stuff and you know when you get back home and you find out the va sends a letter saying hey we know you were exposed to stuff but don't worry you're fine and then you start yeah. having problems later on <laughs> it's quite frustrating right 
And I, you were talking about earlier about in the back where Sid and would be able to tell more. Sid, why don't you talk more about that? Yeah, back at Escon Village, uh, our switch, I was a 36 Lima. We operated a TTC 39 Alpha. It's a 744 line switch, which was the biggest tactical switch in the military inventory at the time. We provided analog and digital secure, non-secure voice and data communications to echelon above core units, such as Army Central Command, General Yosak, General Schwarzkopf right there in the war room. Uh, we also had big tech sat satellite right there, what, 20 feet from the switch. Um, we had comms back to the States through AT&T uh, civilian satellite. Uh, so we're we're, we're target. Uh, nightly, nightly we'd come under scud attacks almost every night. Um, some of the some of these uh, patriots would take out these scuds overhead to the point where it'd knock debris off the ceilings of the rooms you're in. Uh, you can feel the ground shake. Now there there's several times that our chem alarms would go off. Uh, you'd see a yellow haze down in the drain areas, um, just just crazy stuff. And they talk about the oil well fires. The switch had to run at a certain temperature to run efficiently. So we had two 18,000 BTU ACs up front. That wall where the vents came in, there was a constant black sludge that ran down this wall. And... It, it it was ridiculous, and not to mention the the uh, Iraqi Republican Guard that was coming in nightly too to take out the comms. I didn't I didn't find out about that until one night I went to the Air Force uh, mess hall or dining facility. Um, <laughs> back five star back, Michelin restaurant. Right. So so I get back. I'm humping it back to uh, the schoolhouse and we come under scud attack. MPs pull me into a, a guard shack. We're already in Mont 4. Uh, and uh, we're looking out. Saudi police or Saudi soldiers and the MPs had somebody at gunpoint right off, off of our perimeter. And I asked one of the MPs, well, what's going on? They said, Republican Guard, they're, they've been coming in every night. We capture them every night. And you didn't have to tell me twice what they were after. Um, Probably that sexy mustache of yours. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was when, that was it funny. Was within rag, <laughs> it was within rank back then, but uh, God damn, Mac, you're so damn serious. You're giving me flashbacks, man. <laughs> Boom. <Fuck>. No, it's uh, oh, uh, it, it it was a crazy experience, but we we had we had a damn good team. We had a damn good team of cable dogs and thirty six lemas that uh, we 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 processed. 125,000 calls per day through a 744 line switch, um, which is crazy back then. Uh, we, we supported, I had, uh, our switch had 10 long local phones 
uh, going up to 10th Mountain Division up in Iraq, and they were pushing into Kuwait. It was going over a satellite shot up there, and uh, I had a captain call me one night. He goes, he goes, we're having problems with these phones. You got to keep these phones operational because I have a 150 guys' lives that are counting on it. And we sat there and we figured out what was going on with these phones, got them fixed. He called me back up. He goes, thank you. That's pretty cool. That's a, communications is key to a successful mission. If you're not, if you're not communicating, you ain't fighting. Yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, even my wife tells me that communications important. I still don't listen to her. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I know she's going to watch this. I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sitting here listening to all you guys talk about all these places you lived. And I'm wondering if we were in the same military. Because when we got there, we lived in condemned trailers that we had to take the dead goats out of. Yes, we and did. And then I went to KKMC and lived in a fucking tent for the rest of the time I was there while across the street for me at KKMC was fifth special forces group and the high rise buildings that they had taken over. And we were out here in the desert living in tents and we had this first sergeant. He kind of looked like Hitler and he was from somewhere in 86. I don't remember his name. He was a real little guy and he had the dark hair and the glasses and the mustache like Hitler. And he would make us get in mop gear to get our mail. What? <laughs> what? The? They would throw us in mop gear to get our mail. Okay, well, wait. We're going to go back at first. A trailer with dead goats. Okay, kind of explain that. Were you that, there, that Jeff? Way. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we flew into Dahran, and it was the same thing like you're saying. We we uh, it, Jimmy said earlier about putting the the, the uh, five tons with the comm gear on the back and the generators, and we flew into Dahran. And, and the biggest thing I remember, Kevin, is we first we first opened that C five up. You that air hits you at about a hundred, I don't know, hundred twenty degrees maybe, and it was two thirty in the morning, and it felt like somebody had a hair dryer in your face, just blowing it right in your face. Yep. And we get off, we get all the equipment offloaded, and we lock everything up the best you can lock up military gear because most of it's not really locked up the trucks anyway. And uh, and then we go to these tents. We think is oh, excuse me, not tents. We go to Tent City, which is actually these little modules, and we think we're going to be able to sleep in a decent little bed. And it, there's animal feces and carcasses everywhere and they're like well you can clean them up and live there if you want to or you can sleep outside we're like well damn <laughs> i would have slept outside yep. yeah <laughs> well we we clean them up because we, we want anything is we wind up cleaning them up and then we went up leaving pretty quickly so yeah, exactly once we got them clean we were yeah. all out of there and somebody else got to come in and the air force took the them air over force. <laughs> <laughs> right probably <laughs> You know, well, I mean, I, that see, that's that's like, think about it. If if you don't want to get shot at, and if you know, if you want a better lifestyle, Air Force and the Navy are the were the way to go back then. I mean, nobody yeah. really had a great Navy fleet, so I wasn't worried about it. I, I, hell no, was I going to get shot at? <laughs> no way. And I mean, but I. I I find all y'all really fascinating because, you know, being over there in the grounds and with everything y'all seen, what problems have y'all, has it 
happened? Why since y'all been over there, pretty much? Tiffany, you want to go first on that? Yes, one? I would like Tiffany to go first. Oh boy, um, I've had cancer twice. I have a. It's called alpha wave intrusion. I don't know if anybody else in the group has been diagnosed with it. It's a sleep disorder that is caused by being in a combat situation. And, uh, you know, you never knew what shift you were going to be on. So you might have been up all night. You might have been up all day. If you were if you were on the day shift, you were sleeping at night, something would happen. There was always scuds. I mean, it was like watching fireworks. The amount of scuds we would watch go over us all the time. And it's caused from not getting good sleep in that, that like fight or flight where you just all of a sudden are awake. Um, and my brain never hits REM cycle. So I have that. Um, now, how did you get diagnosed di with that? Um, through a sleep study, through the military. Okay. I was at the Tucson VA and I happened to have a fantastic doctor who specialized in alpha wave intrusion and he was the one that read my sleep study and was like this is not just sleep apnea this is alpha wave um there's only one medicine on the planet that they can give you for it and it's called xyrum and it's part of it's considered a date rape drug so needless to say the va will not give it to you because of how strong it is and because of you know, the power of it. So they pretty much tell you to live with it. Um, I have GI issues. I've got skin issues. And my newest issue um, that's been going on for years is since I got out, they would say, I, you know, after I got out, I ended up marrying a soldier. So I got stuck going back to Fort Wachuga again and Fort Carson and all these places. And um, I would go in and they'd say, I think you have a heart murmur. No, we don't think it is. We're not sure what's going on, but you're okay. Well, then in uh, 2006, I thought I got a bad cold and I got really sick. And I went to urgent care on a Saturday morning. I told work Friday, I'm going to go to urgent care tomorrow morning. Well, when I got there, I was in congestive heart failure. And I ended up in a coma for, I, I was, I had two and a half hours of CPR. They didn't think I was going to make it. Um, they finally got me back. I still have scars on my body where they would take, um, the paddles. I still have the burn marks on my skin from the paddles. Wow. And then, um, that went, and then I ended up with a pacemaker and a defibrillator. I had that until, uh, night uh in 2019 i ended up going to they flew me from fort huachuca to salt lake city on a medical um uh, private jet and i went in the hospital for seven months and ended up getting a heart transplant from all of it God and while you. i was in the hospital for the heart transplant um i had a stroke and when they finally got me a heart um, my body rejected it and I, my heart failed again. So they had to put me back in a coma and put heart pumps back in my body to keep me alive until my new heart was strong enough to keep going. And then, um, I got out of the hospital in May of 20 and 
while I was in the hospital, I was so sick, I couldn't get out of the bed. I was on dialysis. I had two heart machines hooked up to me that sat on tables and pumped my blood out of my body in through these machines. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I had to learn to walk all over again. I had to have physical therapy every day. I mean, I couldn't even, I could not lift myself up off a toilet. I had zero strength. I could not pick my legs up and put them in the bed. I was so sick. I was on a feeding tube for months. Um, and now since I've had the heart transplant, and I've gotten better. I'm doing good. I can go up a flight of stairs now. I still have issues with some things. I still haven't tried to run, but I ran enough in the military. I don't care if I can run or not. But, you know, I, I have definitely seen some results since having a heart transplant. Wow. And, and Kevin, here's one thing to know, too, about Tiffany. I, I, Tiffany, I, I, I don't know if you want me to say this, but she's not rated at 100%. And she's not. No. I think it's called TNU. Uh, she's still she's still fighting the VA to get to get everything approved where she she gets fully yeah. covered because of what has happened. Yes. See that to me that's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Um. I filed when I first had started having all the heart problems in '06. When I got out of the hospital in '07, I filed for disability, and they rated me service connected with zero disability. And I sat service connected with zero disability until last year. I just got a service rating last year. And when they gave it to me, they only rated me on uh, migraines and PTSD. They didn't rate me on any of my heart stuff or anything. So now I've had to file all my stuff again. And I, I'm going through the process of dealing with this again. Well, when I was getting the evaluations through Veterans Evaluation Services, they flat out said, this is Gulf War Syndrome. There's no doubt. Every, everything you have is unexplainable. Nobody in your family has these problems. None of this has happened to anybody else. This is Gulf War Syndrome, 100%. So then when I filed my paperwork to do my, re, you know, my refile for all the other things, one of the options to put on there is Gulf War Syndrome. So I clicked on Gulf War Syndrome. I get a fucking letter in the mail telling me that um, Gulf War Syndrome is not something that can be rated and they need to know my problems and they don't recognize it. How the fuck do you not recognize it and put it on your form? <laughs> you gave me an option. Right to click on Gulf War Syndrome. And then I click on it, and then you tell me it's not, no. Well, see, and here's the other problem, Tiffany. This this other problems is if you look at their presumptives, everything you have is in their presumptives. It's no different than whenever I went to, I had an appointment at LHI. It goes in there, asks me all these questions, and she's just like, well, what makes you think, what do you think caused your tremors? I said, well, I have neuropathy. And she's yeah. like, are you diabetic? I said, no. And I said, I said, there's a, a thing called sensory neuropathy tremors. And she's like, oh, yes, yes, I've heard of that. So she does. And these, then you have to explain it to her. Yes. And then they do this sensation test. They poking you with the needle. She's like, your nerves are really bad. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I have neurological yeah. problems. And so she writes back. I get my explanation letter is um, service-connected at zero because yeah. 
She says that it couldn't have been caused by the neuropathy or the nor or Gulf War. But there's another team that says, yes, it is caused by that. But I don't have a severe case. Well, you idiots on my medication. Of course, I'm not going to have a severe case. So I was just like, what, whatever. At least I'm connected at something zero, you know, yeah. but hey, you know. Well, you know, and with and with my tremors, um, I didn't develop mine until I was in the hospital for my heart transplant. Well, I've seen like four levels of neuropathy, you know, of, of specialist neurologists and things like that. And they've done every test on me. They tested me for Parkinson's. They've done CAT scans to see if it was from my stroke. They've done everything and anything. So I go in for a follow-up with my heart transplant team one day and they said, well, we're just, you know, I, I'm kind of a, just fucking tell it to me the way it is. Don't, don't sugarcoat anything. Just tell me. And he goes, well, I'm just going to tell you what they said. And I said, okay. And he said, neurology said they can't figure out what caused it. And they're just kind of washing their hands of it. And nobody knows how to help you. So you just have to live with it. Have you got a hold of a congressman to talk to them about this? No, but the VA in Salt Lake City made the biggest mistake of their life. Public affairs at the VA in Salt Lake City has decided that they think I should be one of their poster children. Yeah. <laughs> so Dennis, yeah. So Dennis Mc mcdonough who we all know is the secretary of the va in washington dc who meets directly with biden came for lunch two weeks ago at the salt lake city va and he had lunch with one veteran guess who that <laughs> veteran was oh boy oh no <laughs> and i flat out said to him can i say anything i want and he said absolutely and i said your va sells us a timeshare and gives us a trailer park Thank you. And I'm fed up with it. I said, you tell us how great everything's going to be. We're going to get taken care of. And then we fall into the cracks and you don't do what you're going to say. I said, quit selling a timeshare. And, and, and so. What's he going to do? You know what? He actually sat and took a lot of notes. He wrote down my phone number and he said, you will speak to me again and we will look at these issues. I am not letting this go. Just so you know, I heard what you said and we will talk about it. Amen. I, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, that's good to hear. Very good to hear. So if I can advocate for other, you know, for other soldiers or anybody that's a veteran, I am willing to do it. Or sailors. <clears throat> Anybody that's a veteran. Yep. <laughs> my father was an, my father was Navy. So yes. All the way. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sorry. We beat y'all this, you know, sorry, but yeah. uh, all right. So uh, how about you guys? What are y'all experiencing? Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I avoided a lot of my problems early on. Uh, I had, uh, I didn't think I didn't have any legal problems, but when I got out, uh, I was pretty wound up. I was wound up pretty tight. Um, I, uh, threatened us marshal and IRS and they threatened to come to my house or they told me they were going to come to my house. They, they wrote a, a basic form letter saying you owe so much in taxes this year. And I took it personally uh, because I'm still trying to get off of that. You know, I just served my country and, you know, I'm trying to get back to a normal life, but normal life wasn't there yet. I had gotten in multiple fights at work. I had chased the guy on a crowbar. I stopped traffic, uh, numerous times I got out of the car to go fight someone in the middle of, of, of a freeway. 
Um, you know, just just not things weren't going well. And I joined the National Guard. Unfortunately, I joined the National Guard. And, and, and for anybody that's National Guard that's listening, this is pre-9-11 National Guard. So huge difference in what it is now. Absolute respect to you guys. Back then, it was a good old boys club, beer, watch football on Sundays. And I couldn't stand it. And and uh, I got in arguments with them, and I wound up actually getting uh, other than honorable discharge from the National Guard. Uh, I, I went after a battalion commander, a lieutenant colonel, and uh, threatened him and his whole family um, if, if he was going to continue to dog me, you know, go after me and try to put me in jail for, for missing time in the Guard when I, I felt it was a complete waste of time. Um, so I, I had issues uh, with that. I, I tangled with the Portland police. Um, you know, nothing I'm proud of by any means, but, you know, just got a lot of, lot of things happen um, like that. And then I had my first kid. I realized you got to calm down and just put your head down. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've been wronged. It doesn't matter if you don't understand why you can't get a good job and other people have good jobs, you know. And, and I just tried to try to put all my focus into my family, you know, my kids, my kids and, and my wife and, and the job, you know. And about 2015, I started realizing everybody tell me, hey, man, you, you, you're wound pretty tight still. You may think you're doing pretty good, but you have issues. And I went to the VA and I talked to them and, and uh, did some counseling and realized that I had PTSD. Um, so I, I'm ready for PTSD and also tinnitus. Uh, the equipment we use, the Blaine, uh, Blaine Sid, Jimmy, and myself, that equipment, in Tiffany, the equipment we use um, when you're in those shelters, it's about 110 dB noise. So I've got a nice constant ringing in my ears that you know, just doesn't go away. Um, I got hearing aids today for tinnitus. Oh, <laughs> I, I got them today. I just got them in. Wow, yeah. yeah. But uh, I have uh, I have non fatty um, non fatty alcohol non alcohol fatty liver issues. Liver. Yeah, liver. Uh, I have nodules in my lungs. I have granuloma. Um, I have kidney issues. I I uh, pass blood whenever I urinate. Um, I have hypothyroidism, which is uh, my thyroid. They, I, I just went to the VA today looking at that, and they think that it's possibly, uh, if it's Hashimoto's, it's because the thyroid attacked itself through autoimmune. If right. it wasn't that, then it was, uh, you know, um, just hypothyroidism. I have several nodules on my on my thyroid, and I have to get an FNA where they go in with a 25-gauge needle and, and do a biopsy on each nodule to make sure it is or is not cancerous, and they determine to take out your thyroid or not. Um, and Blaine will go into that more with another gal that was in our company that she had that happen. Um, and I'm trying to think of everything. Uh, I have widespread, uh, they call it polymyalgia and polyarthalgia. Um, they don't want to say fibroalgia because if they say, excuse me, fibromyalgia, because if they say that, they have to give you a presumptive. So they call really? it Really? Oh, yeah. They yeah. just diagnosed me, and my chart says fibromyalgia two weeks you, ago. You need, you you need, need to put in a uh, rating for that. Yeah, I didn't but think I, about it, but I have the I have this I have nodules in my leg, and then I have what they call shattered glass in my lungs. Oh wow! Yeah, it looks like it's, a bullet. That's great. See, if the VA won't do a biopsy, they the VA says a biopsy is too dangerous to do, so they don't want to do a lung biopsy. But there's a doctor, and I, I don't remember the specifics right now. I should have kept it up on my computer, but he's doing the thing now where he's actually uh, putting some kind of uh, 
uh, radiation. It, it's not it's not a bad radiation. It, it maybe it's not radiation. Right. It's something he's putting into the lungs, and he can detect how much metal's in your lungs. Wow! And he's doing that now for veterans that because when you do a CT or MRI or an X-ray, that does not detect the amount of metal in your lungs. It only detects the nodules and cancer if it's growing in there. It does, I think it's sarcoidosis. I think is what it's called. Um, that is, can't be detected from the normal stuff. And in a lot of guys in the bird pits, that's what they're experiencing. And, and also one thing, Kevin, I didn't mention is another exposure that Jimmy and I had directly is, you know, they were flying 1500 sorties a day, um, during the war, a day they were flying it. And Jimmy and I were in the direct, we were in the path of the flights and you can ask Jimmy, we had 1500 planes flying over us every day during the war during the bombing campaign. So you're breathing that fuel yeah. all the time. And, and uh, you know, all this stuff starts adding up. You've got the fuel from the JP-8, you're burning, you're burning feces, you're burning plastic to get rid of it because you don't put it in a garbage bag and, and your local uh, garbage bag comes and hauls it off. You know, um, it, and I'm trying to think of, you know, everything else you're exposed to. We, we had the DEET, which is, they found out the DEET causes problems. And that's the uh, insect repellent. And there's other things that the army gave us thinking they were the safe found out later on. Wow. I'm sorry, what's that? All the damn shots. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And we took 20 shots and that's, see, I went to risk. Thankfully I went to risk in December of 20. And Risk and Palo Alto told me, um, you know, basically your flora in your stomach is destroyed when you take all these shots. And when you take 20 shots at one time and then you leave for Huachuca, Arizona, and you go to Dahran, uh, Dahran or Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, you get new flora in your gut and that causes problems. And then when you go back home after getting an anthrax shot and you go back home six months later or a year later, you go back to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and then you ETS and go back to your home state or to whatever state you choose to go to after ETS, you get these different floors in your gut. And when your body is already on hyper alert from having these, I mean, imagine getting 20 different flu shots, 20 different kinds of flu shots at one time. Think about what one flu shot does to your body. You know, you get sore for a couple of days, your arm hurts. You get a runny nose, you know, something like that. And this is, you know, imagine 20 different strains of, of flu shot you're taking and then what it would cause, you know, what it would do to you. And that's that's something that the, the VA just doesn't want to talk about. They, and I've actually talked to the folks at Fort Bragg about anthrax, and they swear up and down the anthrax shot did not bother us. It did not hurt us one bit. But yet you have all these issues that have, you know, have arisen from it. Right. Or possibly arisen from it, I guess I should say. And Blaine, how about you? Have what kind of issues have you had? He falls asleep on us. No, 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 no. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I think the, the the burn pits. You know, and I get. I wasn't just exposed there. So with the Gulf War, but then with the uh, Iraqi yeah. freedom and all of that, um, burn pits is is going to be the Gulf Wars. It's going to be the Gulf Wars, Vietnam's Agent Orange. I mean, that's just what I think. You know, at yeah. some point they're going to right. fully come out and, and admit that, and then you know these guys and gals are going to have to struggle and deal with that for years to come. Um, but I think what Jeff was talking about earlier—I'll I'll go back to my stuff in a minute—but this uh, gal that was 
uh, I know the 36 Lima with me and said worked uh, directly with us. She had just put on Facebook a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago. She wasn't sure if she should put it out there or whatever, but she had got, she had thyroid cancer 10 years ago and that had been treated. Um, <clears throat> and she was in remission. And then, uh, I think it was right around, I forget Thanksgiving or, or this past Christmas that, uh, it came back and, but it's now also at least in one lung. <clears throat> so we don't know. I tried reaching out to her 10 days, two weeks ago. And, um, I didn't get any response back. I don't think that, you know, I don't think she's gone, but I think she's just dealing, you know, right now with, yeah. with everything after, you know, thinking, you know, when they go, you think it's taken care of. Right. And, um, it just make you test. She's a very faithful person, a uh, religious person. And I'm sure it just makes you really wonder <laughs> what I did, you know, what I got myself into. So, um, <laughs> And she did about 10 years uh, and she got out. And then I know she works uh, in, at Fort Gordon at the uh, Cisco Academy. She's a very smart, was a very smart gal. So doing well, but it uh, doesn't matter how much money you got if you're not there to see it. So pray for her, keep her in our, keep her in our prayers. Yes. Um, but uh, for, for me then, you know, when people, when, when I had to go back in seven, um, everybody had to get a smallpox shot again. But I didn't have to get one because I've got I had eczema. I think I think that's uh, related from that. So itchy, itchy, dry skin all the time. Um, these guys, you know, I hate to sound so nasty, but I've I've got um, issues with going, you know, to the bathroom. Not going to the bathroom, but <laughs> going shitting is always loose. Always loose, you know, and yep. I was like, same way. Yeah, yep. you know, and I go in, I, you know, and they do the, you know, I had gotten an ulcer, you know, I was like a 28 year old guy freaking getting an ulcer. Um, I don't know if it's related, ain't, is related, ain't related. I'm not under a duress or anything like that. Too much stress, I don't think, but it, come, it came out of nowhere. So I got to get treatment with that. I've got the, um, you know, they, so I had the scope done. They didn't, they say I don't have IBS, but they, they did say I had some type of bacteria. They didn't tell me what it was, but just that my insurance wouldn't cover it. Um, so never took anything to maybe knock it out or whatever. And of course I still deal with that. Uh, not all the time, but more, more times out of the year, I do deal with it. <laughs> That's one of the biggest ones. Um, I got the real dry eyes. Again, that one they came back said that's not service connected or whatever. You know, it's dry eye socket or something to that effect. Even though it's a presumptive. Hey, they're, they're like, yeah, that, it's one of the thirteen, isn't it? I think. Yeah, that's the thing that? that drives me nuts is everything you're listing is a presumptive, but yet they come back in and they deny it. And I think that's the problem yeah. with a lot of the veterans that get so disappointed and ah. everything. You you know, I mean. I just heard him the other day talk about, you know, guys who are out during the Gulf War. One of the biggest thing is dry eyes. And so if you have that, it's a presumptive. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, go file that with them. <laughs> right. I have a, I have Salzman, they call it Salzman nodules, where my, my actual eye is turning gray. And it, it has a, a, a like a ridge to it. And I'm, so I'm getting a ridge, a gray ridge around my iris. So I'm losing the color of my eye. 
and my eyes turned gray. And they said that that's just, you know, it's just something that happens as you get older. It's right. age related, <laughs> not, not goal hormone related. <laughs> right. And Mitch, how about you? What, what are you experiencing? Oh, well, my circumstance is a little different from these guys. Um, I was getting sick even before I left the country. Um, by the time I had got back, I had stomach surgery, a laparoscopic on my stomach. My uh, stomach had adhesed to my stomach lining, so they cut it off. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. That would have. No, I didn't know that, man. Jeez. Uh, and then, um, so when I came out, when I got out, I already was on disability. And then, um, uh, let's see. Um, I got disability for PTSD immediately. Um, and then um, and now I'm at 100%, but I've been in and out of outpatient uh, VA facilities for the last, what, 30, 30 years now. Uh, and I've gone up to South Dakota and spent four months up there. Um, I've been in and out of detox, you know, detox centers for uh, booze and, and, and other stuff. Um, what else? Um, um, a couple months ago, I got diagnosed with uh, uh, cancerous polyps. So they cut those out. So I'm hoping for the best for that. Um, I lost a, a right testicle to uh, cancer. Uh, what else? Um, a lot of cysts. I don't know if you guys get cysts on your heads. My ears, for some reason, and behind my ears. I don't know. My, my lip nodes and everything yeah. swell up, too. Yeah, that's that's not normal. Um, you know, it was, you know, being already in the system and, and moving through the motions. Uh, for me, it was, yeah, it was time consuming, but it took like eight years to get a, at 100%. But, of course, back then they dated it. They backdated it all the way to the Gulf War. So I got my... And then that was in 04. So I got everything backdated to 92 at a hundred percent. Good for you. So it, you know, it's, I understand the plight. I totally understand right. the plight you guys are going through. You know, I've talked to Jeff. I've talked to Sid. I've talked to fucking Tyree. Um, you know, I'm telling them my experiences with the VA and stuff. Personally, the only problem I have with VA is it takes forever to get in and out to see somebody. That's the problem I have. Yeah, that that's a lot of problems with with the hair. I mean, I was just talking to a guy the other day. He's a neurologist, and he said they're so backlogged on. Yeah, it's, it's a it's an issue. It's a, definitely an issue. Yeah. But I mean, they've been good to me. I can't complain. Yeah, yeah, they've Houston's been great to me. I mean, and everything. Well, Jimmy. Hey, um, well, basically, because me and Jeff might have well been been attached <laughs> at the hip, you know, uh, we went through the exact same things at the exact same times and exact same places, uh, huffing up all that damn jet fuel uh, vapors and 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 through the 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 freaking insane uh opening night of the war uh with the scuds and the mist 
and the Patriots duking it out right over our heads. And, <laughs> and I remember him, his mask, he said something was wrong with his mask because uh, he could smell all that shit. And, um, and then through the rest of the whole thing, you know, the, what it was like being there. And uh, <clears throat> then when we, we all started packing up after the war, we went up <clears throat> to Dairon. It was like, like he said, it was like a black and white movie. It was a constant haze. Uh, I thought it was the oil well fires, but it just it looked freaky. I mean, it looked like otherworldly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was like a science fiction movie or something. Yeah. Uh, and as far as the issues I've had um, afterwards, <laughs> since I got out, I'm horrible about going to the doctor, I have to have blood shooting out of my eyes before I'll go to the doctor. You know, um, I just, I just won't go. And my issues I've had, my memory is almost non-existent. My, my short-term memory, my long memory period. Um, and before that, I mean, you can ask, you know, back right before we went, uh, we, we, showed up at 593rd we went to school in Keesler Air Force Base and I was just acing the test and just busting through that school you know Jeff can tell you that and yep and and after that I just kind of I'm just mentally not there like I used to be um and just constant fatigue you know don't yeah. matter I it don't matter if I sleep for three hours or 13 hours I'm just as damn tired uh, and it's been that way uh, from, the, you know, from the get-go. And uh, but other, you know, and and you know, of course, emotional issues and stuff like that. From you know, having kind of a, 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 a identity crisis after I got out, you know, because used to being in that, living in that that culture, you know, being on my own, I just kind of felt like I was just kind of drifting around not going anywhere uh but as far as being physically sick um i've had you know a knee that went bad for no reason um that i had exploratory surgery on and and they found these these growths in my knee that they couldn't explain um my back is just riddled with bad discs they just they they go they just rupture uh, I might have like two or three discs in my back that are still normal. Um, but other than that, as far as other kind of getting sick or something bad, really bad, like some of you guys, I, I've been, I've been lucky. I, I think there's just something about my body that just doesn't, uh, I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate. Uh, so, so that's, that's been pretty much it for me. You know, I, I, I feel like, you know, being through the same places I've been with Jeff and the guys, I've been very fortunate not to have more things go wrong than, than they have. Yeah, because it so. does seem it does seem like, you know, some guys who I were on my ship, we all have the same thing. Some guys don't. That yeah. I think it's just how the body reacts to it. Yeah. 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 Sit. I actually had that Kevin today when I was at the VA, I was talking to uh the burn pit. Um the burn pit uh, doctor and she, she calls it psychosomatic. And basically the way she explained it to me was someone like say myself that reacted uh, 
not so favorably to to being hit with a bunch of missiles and you know and you're not can't understand not, why you're right you're right and, i mean but and that's what i was going to say it's not like it's just some little little firework going off you're talking a 500 he you know warhead going off and there's if there's you know 16 patriots and then nine scuds that's 25 500 pound he warheads going off at once and landing all around you that was um, a shock yeah, well, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I remember, and Kevin, I don't think I told you the story. I, I try to make it real quick. I had just gotten off guard duty. I went to our cot. We had a GP medium tent. Uh, GP medium tent has a big center pole, and then it has two poles that, at the uh, opening, uh, the opening flaps, and then there's a guy wire that runs down. And uh, I, we, what we do is we take our M16 and we strap it over the end of our cot because the cots break down, and it's just an easy place to put it when, you, when you're going to go to bed. And uh, I, I get in bed, start trying to go to sleep, and then uh, Ricky Lee Harbin from Virginia comes running in and says, those things are going off. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, you know, those things. And I said, the Patriots? And then you just hear a boom, 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 just constant booming. And uh, I, I instantly panicked because my mop gear – and we were told that Saddam was going to use chemical weapons on us just like he had done Iraq, uh, Iran back in the 88 uh, – the eight years he fought with Iran – and where he killed his own people with, uh, with uh, I believe it was Sarah uh, uh, MV, I think. What was it? Mustard. I thought it was, was mustard. It mustard. Yeah, he used something. But he, yeah, it was. It's a horrible way to die. You, you basically drown in your own blood. And and I like to think it was. Oh my God, my mock beers in the bunker. I gotta run. So I'm trying to grab my 16 because if we're gonna fight, you know, I gotta be able to fight. And I'm grabbing my 16, I'm yanking it, yanking, I can't get it off. And I finally put my foot on the cot and just yank as hard as I can. And my whole cot goes flying up in the air. And I, I grab my 16, I take off running. I dodged the pole at the flats, but then I hit the guy wire. And I hit it so hard with my forehead that I actually saw my feet in front of me like a cartoon. <laughs> and I hit the ground. I don't know if I actually got knocked out or not, but I, I just looked up when I, when I kind of regained my thoughts. And all I saw was it looked like a hand coming out. And that's the chafe that the Patriots shoot before they shoot the Patriots themselves. They shoot this chafe out. And I guess it helps lock on the radar or something. And all I see is this huge hand just shooting out, you know, this, this uh, chafe that's going out. And then you just see rocket after rocket after rocket launching. And all I think is, you know, this is fucking, this is ridiculous. I just turned 21. I just went to a bar legally and I'm going to die. You know, this is just bullshit. You know, and I just I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I'm gonna, you know, I mean, 21's not as bad as 17. That's for damn sure, but still sucks when you think that's gonna be you right there. Right. And uh, you know, I ran in the bunker and I jumped in. I tried to put my mop gear on, and you know, the mop gear from your knees zips down to your uh, boots. And I was so shaken, I couldn't. My hands doing this. I'm trying to grab the zipper to zip down, and I can't even function to zip my zipper down because i'm so out of it you know so uh distraught i guess distraught i don't know what word you'd use and then i and then all of a sudden i realized i'm i can smell carbine i can smell everything around me which is not good <laughs> and i resealed my mask several times i still couldn't get it to seal and finally it sealed and they're saying well you know do you want to take the antropine shot and antropine you know, is that, I don't know exactly what it does, but it speeds your heart like 170 beats a minute. And it tries to push the poison out of your body. It will kill you if you don't have uh, something wrong with you. 
So I'm sitting there debating to myself for five minutes. Do I want to die from drowning in my own blood or do I want to try to take his antropine and possibly if there wasn't chemical weapons, die from that? You know, what am I going to do here? And I chose to just sit there and wait. I thought I told Sergeant Montez, who was our team chief. I said, man, you know, if I conk out, just shoot me up with it because I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much scared to death here. And I waited, you know, about five minutes and we realized, hey, you're not dead. So everything must be okay. And then, you know, we stayed mob here for five hours and we're just waiting, you know, waiting and watching more scuds go by. And, and uh, they're all overhead now, way up. You know, they, they weren't hit by the same Patriot battery again because they were shooting a Riyadh. They were hitting Sid and all those guys and Blaine, you know, everybody back there in the back. And uh, I, I tell you, it, it was it was terrifying. You know, it really was. And that anyway, she said that's all psychosomatic. And she said, basically, your brain because of not being the hypervigilance that you're kind of stuck in that state, like Tiffany was saying earlier, that even if you have a, say a knee pain, that knee pain is really a four or five when your brain reads it because your brain has been amped up so long and it's kind of uh, turns the gain up on it. You're actually reading that pain as a, as a, as an eight or a nine instead of a four or five, because your brain's still hyped up on that fight or flight or that uh, the you know, hypervigilance thing. And, and that's, why they say that we have um people with with ptsd usually have a higher uh chance of getting fibromyalgia because my body hurts on my good days i started taking cymbalta now the cymbalta really does help it's a boot stabilizer and also a chronic pain stabilizer right um it's an ssri um and i'm taking 60 milligrams a day of that that really helps me kind of take the edge off uh it helps drop dopamine in your body so that uh, it basically just helps you kind of chill out a little bit, you know. Um, but I still have pain where I feel like I have flu-like symptoms. Um, I sweat when I get out of the shower. I'll still sweat like a cold sweat. And you feel sick like you have the flu. And my joints will hurt so bad I don't want to move. My muscles hurt so bad I don't want to move. Um, you know, you're just miserable. And, and like Blaine said, the IBS, you know, I'll, I'll get a little more graphic. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a cow pie. Um, and it's, it's, it has mucus in it, you know, and then yeah. other days you have the constipation and that's actually IBS is what it does is it goes back and forth between mostly, um, running stool to then a constipation type thing. And it goes back and forth. And those, those 13 items that's on uh, 3.117, there's 13 items in there that talks about this. They don't go by that. They say, well, were you diagnosed specifically with fibromyalgia? Were you diagnosed specifically with IBS? Were you diagnosed specifically with, um, I forget the other one, but there's three of them that if you have those, that's the magic answer. But if you don't have that in your chart somewhere, then you, you're not sick. You know, you're, you're, it's all in your head. You're psychosomatic. You're a malingerer. And you're just trying. I actually had a doctor tell me, you 50-year-olds coming in now are just, you didn't save up enough for your retirement and you're trying to retire now. I had a doctor tell me that. And I could not now believe that someone said that. I, it, it dumbfounded me that someone would say, you, because he doesn't know my financial situation. I, I, you don't have to report. Thankfully, you don't have to report your finances to the VA if you choose not to. So hey, I Jeff, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, buddy. But I, I, I have to split. Um, it, it's, I'm, I'm run, I'm up hard against the wall to, to get, get my butt to work. <laughs> All right. We'll get to work, Jimmy. I appreciate you coming on. 
And hey, I really appreciate it, guys. Um, let's keep in touch and God bless you guys. God bless you. Thanks, Take, care, Take care. Well, you know, and this is where I want to get to Sid because I haven't asked him what what situations are you having? Well, basically every joint. Basically, every joint in my body freaking hurts. Now, I've, I sustained some injuries while I was in in uh, in theater, and uh, I've gone through cortisone shots and every every joint in my arms and shoulders. I've had surgery on my shoulder. Uh, still having issues there. Uh, back, hips, knees are a, knees are brutal. Um, can't can't sit for a long period of time. Can't stand for a long period of time. Um, IBS, skin issues. I've had um, basal cell carcinomas removed. Yep. Um, I'm hypothyroid, which I'm in a very small percentage of hypothyroid where I don't gain weight. Fast. I can't gain weight, no, no matter how much I eat. I cannot. Gain, I can't gain weight. Um, um, sleep disorders. I'm actually scheduled for a uh, sleep study here within the next few days. It shows um, always tired. My wife sleeps with the uh, with earplugs. Um, uh, extreme violence in my sleep uh, always having these dreams that somebody's trying to come in and and breach the perimeter and i think it goes back to those uh, republican guards coming in every night but i'm always sitting in a small small wood room for some reason and i uh i react to it uh with my feet and my knees kicking those individuals as they're trying to come through the door. Well, unfortunately, it's my wife who's laying next to me catches the brunt of it. Um, yeah, what else? Yeah, there's oh, hearing the the constant ringing, the tinnitus. Yeah, I got ten percent for that. Um, got hearing loss in my right ear, zero percent for that. I just uh, bumped that back up because I got. Uh, my ENT diagnosed me with uh, Meniere's disease. Now, if you're not familiar with Meniere's, it's an extremely, uh, it, it's an aggravating condition where you just lose all hearing in one ear, um, have vertigo. I mean, you could, I could be walking down a hallway, walk straight into a wall as I get, get dizzy. Um, so, uh, I've got that back on the table, so I got a CMP coming up on that one. Uh, oh, what How else? about no, neuropathy? Any of y'all have neuropathy? Yes. So, uh, that's just yeah. a laundry list of stuff. I had a I had a Gulf War syndrome CMP not too long ago, and I didn't even put Gulf War syndrome on my claim. And they 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 listed all the stuff, and they started asking. I'm still waiting to hear back from all that. Um, uh, lower back and hips. Jeff, Jeff can tell the story better than I can about the plane crash in, in Rome. Uh, that uh, 
that, that's got to put a lot of stresses on your on your back and your hips. Well, uh, yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. Did we did we talk to you about that, Kevin? About no. the plane crash? Oh, and there's there's no record of it. Yeah, there's no record at all. Well, hell, let's we make a record. Uh, let's go with it. There was no record <laughs> of you being in Bahrain. Well, yeah, there's yeah, there's no record of me even being in Bahrain. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah, but uh, the plane crash. We we were flying back as a company, so you had a five ninety third signal company. Uh, we were flying back uh, on Pan Am flights. And because Pan Am was going bankrupt at the time, so the, the government was using them as a charter uh, to, to help them bail them out. And uh, we flew into Rome, but we flew into uh, to Rome, Italy. And the pilot says, "Hey, it's really foggy. We're having a hard time here. It's going to be a pretty rough landing." And we landed—I don't know the exact distance, but about 50 yards short of the runway. <laughs> and uh, it ripped the landing gear up. The back landing gear got ripped up uh, up into the fuselage of the plane. And uh, the wings, the wings were damaged uh, enough to where you can walk up and touch them from underneath. You can just walk up and touch them. It wasn't hard to reach up, you know, and usually wings are quite a bit higher than that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was crazy, Kevin. And, and when we wrecked and, and Blaine and, and, uh, Sid and, and Jimmy, but Jimmy just took off, but he can, we can all attest to this. It wasn't just the center luggage that fell down. The center luggage consoles fell down and were hitting people in the head. And, and of course, as soon as we crash and stop, um, they open the doors up as quickly as they can and try to get everybody out, which still takes several minutes. There's smoke, you know, electric smoke or some kind of smoke that has an electrical uh, taste and smell to it. So we're, you know, we're breathing this in as we're trying to get out. And of course, you're wondering if a fire is going to start, how much fuel is on the plane, you know, a whole other adventure of are we going to be dead right now, you know. Um, and then we waited, I think, about six hours for a new plane. I, I believe I believe that's right. Blaine and Sid can kind of fill that in. Oh, you got a picture. Look at that. That is yeah. Every, everything deployed. It was uh, brutal. I, me I remember the one of the stewardesses. She was talking on the you know on the uh, handset, like a phone handset, as a microphone. And we when we hit, she got sprawled all on the ground. I mean, it's, it was. You know, fairly unexpected. You know, I didn't think nobody it was going to be like that. You know, we don't know what was going on. You know, we heard different stories, but like Sid said, there was no. I've searched for it for years to try to find something about that. I'm like, you survived the war, and then a whole company could have, or almost, you know, two thirds of a company could have been wiped out, or whatever, yeah. or more. Whoever it wasn't just us; it was other people. I'm sure, but yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, I can't. I can't find the rest of the pictures. I, I know I've got a picture of the wings where the the control rods for the flaps. I was yeah. I was like I was on baggage detail. I think me and Jeff were on the ba that baggage detail. Yeah. We had to go off and unload the truck. We had to load it all up, and then we had to unload it and reload it. But ah, there you go, young man. That's me. Uh, yeah. But you, yeah, you could just go out flat foot and touch the, you know, I could touch the wings. And they were busted down. I don't I think we waited longer than that, like 12 hours, whatever it was. Yeah, it was a long time. But it was a long time. And uh, well, yeah. earlier, all of us were talking. I was telling y'all to remind me of the story I want to tell y'all because we were talking about beards. The beard. Uh, <laughs> beard story. Yeah. yeah and so, uh, you know. <laughs> probably gonna get beat up for this comment but the story but whenever 
our commanding officer, I, you know, you had to stand at attention and, you know, everybody had to get, you know, muster up and make sure all their uniform was in pristine care. So he walks by and he looks at mine. He's like, all right, hey, I need somebody to walk with me and why I check everybody's uniform. So I said, I'll do it with you. And this guy was from Arlington, Texas. And he always jacked with me because I was from Houston. So I said, okay. Hey, Kevin, can I ask you real quick? Yeah. Was it hard? Was it hard to iron satin? Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go with the neighbor shit. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But anyway, going back to my story. So we're sitting there. <laughs> I'm going to pay you back for that one. And so I'm sitting there and we just got females on board and, you know, we were learning to, you know, be nicer and be more gentle Navy. And so I was in old school Navy. And so he, he walked behind. I was like, how can I get him back? So he walks up to this BM two and she was in my division. And I thought, Oh, I got a good idea. So he's looking and he steps the next one. If he misses something, I'm supposed to point it out. So I happened to look at and I'm standing in front of her. I won't say her name. So I'm sitting there and I was like, Captain, you missed something. And he's like, what? She forgot to shave. He looks at me. He's like, what? I said, her beard. She didn't shave. And I mean, the look on his face is like, I don't know what the hell to do right now. She's looking at me like you're dead. And I'm over here thinking to myself, this is outstanding. And he was like, Simon, give me the damn clipboard. Go back and stand in, 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 in a row. So I go stand over there. Oh, my God. I got my ass chewed. <laughs> but I can I was imagine. Like, oh, my God. It was the funnest time. That, to me, that was a highlight of a Navy career right there. <laughs> I thought I'd lighten some of you, you know, after what y'all been through. I mean, hell, airplane crash, Scud missiles. I mean, I, I don't know how the hell y'all did it. I tell you what, we had one over my ring. They had the uh, you, you, you were in my ring, right, Kevin? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know they had the uh, what was it called, Tiffany? The the EM club or the the junior NCO club or whatever it was. Is that the one yeah. that it had the gate around it? Right, right next to the right next to the, the reason I don't drink slow gin fizzes anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, it had the swimming pool. There was a swim pool, and then there's an EM club, and then there was a volleyball court, and then yeah. right next to that was our trobo system. Yep. that was there um but yeah kevin we get in fights with marines marines love fighting man those guys well yeah in the, that i couldn't i couldn't believe well see i was working out three hours a day i mean i was cut man i was i was benching i was doing 240 as a regular and i was i was maxing at like 310 i was preacher curling at 120 i mean i was in pretty good shape and i figured being that big you know marines wouldn't want to mess with you man i don't know how many fights i got into because they, they love they love fighting I actually got pulled in. We were fighting one night, and the SP showed up. You know, the SPs, uh, oh, yeah, the Navy guys. Yeah. Yeah, they come in, and they try to put me on the bus to take me back to the ship. And I said, hey, you can't take me with you. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm in the Army. And they're like, what? The? There was only 23 Army guys there. And and uh, they said, well, you know, you, you got to come with us. I said, hell no, I'm an Army guy. I pull out my ID, and I show them. And they, and they, they kicked me off the bus, but yeah, you know, all these all these drunk sailors and Marines and <laughs> every day earlier, we've just been duking it out and pissing everybody in the club off, you know. 
Uh, I think there were only two females. What's that? I think it was just me and Anderson were the only two females. I think you're right. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Hey, you we, guys had the picture. We had a guy on my ship. We pulled in a port. And I, I think it was in by, by Ram. Well, he didn't make it back. And we're like, well, where the heck? Well, the police get a hold of us. He got arrested. He jumps a wall at a palace to go knock on the door and run. I'm thinking, what the hell are you thinking? Like, really? Uh, I mean, because I was on a supply ship. So uh, it's probably one of the reasons why y'all didn't get all your supplies at first. But anyway, but... I mean, why would you go to a different country, jump over a freaking wall, especially in Saudi Arabia where they cut your hands off if you do something stupid or you steal, and you go knock on the door and run. And then he was drunk on top of it. Sounded like a good idea at the moment. Uh, Apparently so. Uh, I don't know how I I get get in trouble. I went to a soccer field. Broke in, stole their their uh, Byrian flag from them <laughs> while I was drunk. <laughs> we yeah. did lots of things. All our yeah. stories in Bahrain start with one night at the club. Right? Yeah. Did y'all ever? We go started to drinking. The next thing you know, <laughs> did y'all ever go down to the Gold Soup? Oh yeah. Oh, that one that great. I don't, I don't even know what that is. I know we went to a couple of clubs where there were naked. Uh, no, the Gold Soup is where you went down for. It was up by gold. It's like yeah. A, a oh, oh yeah. Everything was the, gold. The the souk mall we used to go to for Man. gold. Oh, okay, it was like fifty five dollars a gram or something. If something I like would have known then what I know now, oh, I would have bought it. I know. Oh my gosh, my paychecks would have been there. Mine were at mine were at the club. Yeah, well, that's where my money went to. So. Hey Jeff. Yes, sir. Hello. All right, explain. That's it. Blade. Yeah, big old satellite. This is an 85 band, 20 foot dish that was sitting right, oh, what, 20, 30 feet from the switch? Is that y'all, how y'all called home? <laughs> Sorry, it was uh, funny. <laughs> cable dogs had a, had a butt set. You could just tap in and call all the time. No, we we were switch guys. We had methods of calling home without issue. Oh yeah, that's true. That, that's <laughs> that's very true. true. Yeah, the switch guys are the smart guys. So Blaine and Smith are the smart guys, and the rest of us were tropo tropo dogs. We were all a bunch of radio guys. I was but, just a hanger on. I, I let these other guys do it all. <laughs> that's the young lady that's got the cancer. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's just amazing though. Because a lot of the guys that I have on the program, I talk to them, is is a lot. A lot of people at first don't want to talk about their situations. They don't want to talk about what happened then. They don't want to talk about in between or now. But the more and more I'm doing the program, more and more people come coming out, and I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, because yeah. I, a, a lot of people need to figure. They, they, they need somewhere where they can go to and talk about it and help each other. Well, I think your podcast is creating a community. I really do. And I know I've been listening to you for a while. And it's that's why I contacted you. I was, you know, I wanted to talk to you because it's an opportunity for people that, that are like-minded or maybe not like-minded. Maybe, maybe we just serve together and that's as far as it goes, but we have an experience that was very, uh, 
surreal in a lot of ways that we experience this, this, you know, and it's a part of our identity. I don't, I think like Jimmy said earlier, I, I can't, I can't stress enough the, after I got out of the military, I went for, I want to be a soldier since I was 10 years old. When I got out of the military, um, I was lost. I, I didn't, I didn't know who I was. Um, I had no identity whatsoever. Uh, it, it hurt, you know, it hurt to, to leave what I wanted to be and what I, I, you know, wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. And, and, uh, you're lost. And I remember when I got a job as a technician, I started working again as a technician, you know, as a, a radio technician and working my way up to what I do now. And, you know, somebody call you a technician and I'd almost laugh because you just, you know, I felt like everything I had had just completely been kicked out from under me. And that's, that's my life for the last 30 years has always been looking back to see when I'm going to fall in that hole. You know, when that, when that hole was behind you is going to consume you. And you can put your family there, you know, in front of you, you put your kids and your family and you try to focus on them and you try to forget about that, that hole that's always there. You're going to fall into one day. And, and, you know, I think it's, you can compartmentalize and, and I think I did that for a long time, but when my kids got old enough where they moved out, they were grown and moved out and started to get married and all that stuff. You know, I had a lot of alone time and that time to think um, is dangerous if you don't have a community to express yourself and try to find some kinship. You know, that camaraderie we all had at one point in the service, because I've never, ever experienced anything like that again, yeah. you know. And, and, and you said it, that's I mean, that's it right there. I mean, there's this is a platform where I, I want to build a community. I, I do. I, I want us to be a community. I don't care what branch of service you, you were in. I mean, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Okay, Air Force. I'm just Space kidding, guys. Force. That's just a joke. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I have to throw one Air Force joke in there. Just one. But, <laughs> no, it, it is. It, it, it is. It's, it, it's a community that... Uh, our war was a forgotten war. It, it yes. really was. I mean, they don't teach it in schools. They, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of guys who I talk to, they don't even have jobs now because, they, I mean, physically, they, they can't. They can't work. And, uh, I mean, I think that's sad. And they don't have nobody turn. A lot of people have lost their spouses, you know, because of, what their spouses don't understand what they went through. That's what I was just going to say is that it's so hard because, you know, you're tired. You don't sleep well. You've got these PTSD things. For me, it's not, for me, smells are my trigger. Like I know everybody's got a different thing that triggers their PTSD. For me, it smells and I'll be somewhere. And one of those smells will hit me and it like totally just changes the whole situation, you know, and then um, you can't, you want to talk to your family, but you don't want to tell them everything. And then on top of it, they don't understand what you're saying. Yes. And a lot of times, and, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to sound like a jackass, but a lot of times they kind of act like it's not a big deal because they haven't experienced it and they don't get where we're coming from. And sometimes I feel like they can't comprehend why it affects us the way it does. And so they just kind of act like we're overreacting about things. Right. It, 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 I mean, honestly, sometimes it, it, you know, with a lot of guys I find they get hurt 
It, it, it does. It hurt them. But I put myself in their shoes. You know, that's why I never really talked to my wife and my kids about my time in the military because I, they wouldn't understand it. But right. now that I do this, they're understanding more. And I, I think they, they understand why I have so much pride of being in the military. And I mean, I mean, Jeff, I'll be honest with you. I was the same way when I got out. I was a wreck. I mean, I built myself up to something. You, yep. you know, I, I did. I mean, I had a great Navy career. I should have probably spent 20 years in. I mean, my last year in, I made Junior Sailor Year Westpac. I mean, I, I worked my ass off. And I mean, I, I enjoyed every moment I had whenever I was in the military. Even the bad times. Even even yeah. the bad times. Yep. But I, I agree. Everything. Right. But I look at the bad times as, as a learning experience. Because everything I have now is because of what I did then. Absolutely. Yep. And, and I, I hope everybody looks at it like that. You, you know, you, you're going to fall. I, I, I've seen guys go all the way down and just fall to their lowest and can't pick themselves up. And there's a lot of vets out there living in tents, a lot of vets on the streets, a lot of vets yep. on drugs, drinking, that haven't been able to pick themselves up. But it's not their fault. Be honest with you. It's their family's fault because they don't understand it. And it's not their family's fault because it's the government's fault. They need to make a program for each and every family member that has a veteran out there that's struggling with PTSD or any combat situations. Yeah. And have the family understand it and what they went through. And yeah. it would make life a whole lot simpler. You come back from deployment, it should be mandatory that if you're married, you and your spouse or you and your spouse and children go to a couple of classes. It should be mandatory for a single soldier or, or Marine or, or a seaman or, or uh, uh, I, I can't forget what they call the Air Force, but airmen, you know, they, 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 go through, you know, they go through some kind of class where but, you know, we, we literally got home in, in late June. We, well, Timothy did, but we did, got home late June. Um, I got my ETS date, uh, in July. I took my, I took my final physical July 21st of 91. And I was literally, my, my grandmother passed away when I was in Bahrain. And then my grandfather passed away as soon as we got back home. So they allowed me to go back and, and go to my grandfather's funeral. And, and, uh, I got back and, and Jimmy and all those guys were gone then. So, I came back to having all this family, if you will, to having no one but these new guys I didn't know. You know, they were all soldiers, but they were all new guys I didn't know. They weren't my people. And and then you ETS and you go to this world where nobody gives a shit about what you did. You know, uh, five dollars in a in a in a you know uh, job well done will get you a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And not that I'm looking for an attaboy, but you know what I'm saying. You know, and right. it's and it, it, it's just hollow. Everything's hollow and you're empty right. because you, you came from being something, at least in my mind, that was worthy. You know, you're worthy. You serve your nation. It's something that's worthy. And then you're nothing. And it, there needs to be some kind of post-deployment. You go to a few classes. If you're married, you go to a few classes with your spouse and or children. And you, you kind of get back to that normalcy of just the military, which is not normal in itself. And then when you're, you know, you're, um, 
your uh, ETS and from the service, they need to help you learn how to write a resume. And, I'm, and I'm, it's, it, you should do all this on your own. I completely agree, but I'm they saying- They do do this now. Oh, they do. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. they do have a program the now. Stuff, apps. Yeah. Yeah, they okay. do They do help them now. <laughs> See, but I, you know, like- Go, go ahead, go ahead, ahead Tiffany. Okay, I was just going to say, you know, like I was over there for almost, I think I was there 19 months. So <laughs> I went like before everybody went and I came back after everybody else had come back. So like, you know, when, when the units came back, there were people there waiting for them with signs, welcoming them back. They had parades. They had all this. We got off the plane and it was like, get your fucking bag and go back to work. <laughs> like, I, you know, we didn't see any of that. And, and right. it's not that you have to have it, but it would have, I, I just felt like, you know, especially like, you know, I'm going through all this hell with my health now. I didn't even have to go. I volunteered to go. And now I'm like in this constant struggle and battle over my health. And I think, should I have not went? Should I have went? But you know, I never regret the decision I made to Thank go you. to the Gulf War. I do not regret it in any way. And I have been through hell and back. I mean, I spent seven months in ICU in a, coma. In a hospital. <laughs> And part of it was in a coma twice. See, and, and my, mean, my goal, I, and, and I'm, I'm setting a pretty high goal, but this is my goal. My goal is one day to have about 50 to 100 acres, build a facility so when the young men and women come back, they got a place to come back and detox. Not yeah. only their minds, but their bodies and where they went through. And then wait a couple of weeks to bring their spouses or bring a family members in, introduce them back to life to show them that there is something more than just getting out. You know, hell I got out. They handed me my thing, kicked my ass out. It was like, <laughs> I, I was yeah. done, you, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I want to, there should be a facility that's going to help these kids. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, I mean, I think of these kids right now, they're sitting over, don't know what the hell's going on in Ukraine and Russia going on. And that could be 10 times worse than what the hell we went through. Yeah, you, absolutely. You know? I agree. And, and that, you know, that that's why I worry about, you know, I, I watch it every day. It My, my heart sinks. It's like, man, just stop. Why can't yeah. we all get along? <laughs> And that's another thing too, Kevin. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when I when when I tried, I have I have a couple of nephews that went over to Afghanistan, and you know they they were in uh, the Marines, and and but I met other people that were in service, and I was traveling a lot back in the two thousands, so I would see the guys in the airports, and I'd say, hey, thank you for your service, and most of them you know felt very uncomfortable about it, and I'd say, hey, I'm ex-military, I just I want you to know I appreciate what you're doing, and 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 and. and and the sacrifice you guys make for us, you know, because you're, you've got less than one half percent, less than one half percent of our nation serves in the military. So you're in a lot of these guys, guys and gals, they're from military families and they're doing multiple tours. I mean, you could ask Blaine. Blaine probably knows guys that have done seven, eight tours. He may have done seven. I don't know, Blaine, how, how many tours you've done. But, you know, these guys have experienced a level of combat and stress nowadays that, that you know, Vietnam veterans had it horrible. But right. 
hopefully they only had maybe one or two or maybe three tours at the most. And you have this constant, you know, hyper, hyper vigilance that goes on for multiple deployments. And then when I try to talk to him, I say, hey, you know, hey, guy, you know, hey, guy or gal, I want to say thank you, number one. And, and I hope that you're OK. And they say, you know, they'll say, well, what do you know about what I went through? And, and as a as an ex-soldier or as a, as a former military member, it, 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 it broke my heart to where I don't even talk to military members anymore. I don't talk to anybody in, in uniform. I want to because I respect the hell out of them. But it, right. it, it slap in the face when they say, well, what do you know about it? Your experience wasn't mine. And I get that. But at the same time, we have this mutual experience where we were willing to do what it took to get the job done. And it, it's uh, it's very disheartening. Right. And, and the other thing that breaks my heart is the bill, the uh, Honor in Our Veterans Act. That they, yes. Okay, that they passed. My own congressman didn't even vote for it. Yeah, 174. 174. But I, I don't I don't do the political thing. I mean me, me neither. But what yeah, burns but my other, ass is that's from Vietnam to present. Absolutely. Right. The absolutely. other bill that the uh, that they're wanting to do that that he'll represent does post nine eleven. What the yep. hell is up with post nine eleven? Yeah. There, there's well, a I, whole group of us that are before that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. I mean, and that's to me, when I called, I called Friday. And I'm telling you, I, I was almost in tears. I was so mad. I was like, I, I don't understand. Well, it costs too much money for the taxpayers. Are you freaking shitting me? Too much money um, for the taxpayers. We are the fucking taxpayers. Yeah, well, and we just sent how much money over to Ukraine? I think well, nine billion or something. I think. I mean, uh, come on. Or they're putting that through right now. You know, it, it is crazy, and that's you know, and what you're talking about, Kevin. That's uh, HR thirty nine sixty seven. That's yes. honor your pact act, and uh, that was uh, um, what happened. Was the Senate? The Senate passed their version, which was bipartisan. So it was both R and D. They passed right. that version. It's a cheaper version. They purposely split it where you had pre. 1998 and post 1998, which basically covers uh, pre and post 9/11, and and they they were trying to get away with post 9/11 only, which would not give any of us an opportunity <clears throat> to have those presumptives or anything else that comes down the pipe, you know, because we're not we're all we're all pre 9/11, and what the House did was they denied that bill to get passed in Senate, both bipartisan, uh, but they denied it and said that no, we've got a better plan, but because it was all Democrats that backed it. Uh, the Republicans, all 174, voted against it. Right, right. And it, it's a shame. It's an absolute well, I shame. Think, I think thir- 30 Republicans did vote. vote yes. I agree. But, but here's the thing that gets me. It's like, so when my grandchildren say, hey, hey, Pop Pop, I want to go in the military. Oh, let, let, let me tell you what they're going to do. They're not going to care if you go to war, you know. Is that what they want us to yep. tell our children and our grandchildren? Yep. I mean, this and is that's a- exactly what I've been telling them on Twitter. I said, you know what? I won't tell a single person I meet go join the military because you're going to wind up having a draft because you're going to have a, a whole generation of younger younger military members that finally got fed up with it, got out, or have died off because of cancers or whatever else is going on, and they weren't they weren't covered through. Uh, you know, presumptives or anything else. And, and you're going to have them tell their children and their cousins and their nephews and everybody else, nephews, nieces, whoever, everybody else, 
don't join the military. You just don't want to be like me and wind up riddled with problems and you're going to die early. And then they're going to have to draft people. And that's going to, this nation drafting would be, a, it would be a great comedy sketch to watch. All right. I mean, I was over there thinking, okay, is that say, old saying, Uncle Sam, uh, what was it? Uh, not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you, or is it not? <laughs> I was like, man, is this crap ass backwards or what? I mean, that, that's like, come on, guys, like, wake up. Like, it, I don't, we need to get rid of all political and just do the right thing, take care of our people, take care yeah. of yeah. our people. Not just you got a small group of people to do more everybody. than other people did, and they should be they should be respected for that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you know. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, and and I see I've seen things from both sides because I've been married to a soldier and I've been one. And another thing that's a... <laughs> hey, that's Mitch. That's Mitch. His fault. Um, I Hopefully not that soldier. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I think that's another thing that um, people aren't as aware, aware of and it's getting a little bit better but it's still pretty bad it's like you know my father was Navy and there were times we would both have to go to the VA for something and we would walk in and they would all pay attention to him and thank him for his service and it's like, you know what? Fucking women serve too. That's right. And and I I actually have a t-shirt that I wear a lot when I because I work part-time at the VA. And um I wear a t-shirt that says not every GI is a Joe. <laughs> and, and and it's just crazy to me the fact that even now, like women don't they don't recognize women the way they do men in the military. Matt, or as veterans. You. I agree with you, hundred percent. I agree with that. Well, our, our VF, our, our VFW, Tiffany. Uh, my wife was also a soldier. She was thirty-one Q, just like us, radio yeah. operator, you know, turbo <laughs> operator. And she, whenever, whenever the VFW says, "Hey, we need to get some more, uh, more family members in the auxiliary." Hey, does your wife want to be a, a auxiliary member? And I said, and I'll tell them. You realize my wife. Did the exact same job I did, but the only exception is she didn't serve in a combat zone, and I did. You know, why would she want to be in the the auxiliary when she, you know, was a soldier just like I was? Right. It, it doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, women are completely not completely, but women are overlooked absolutely, mm -hmm. and it it needs to be. We we need to be cognizant of it. We need to be aware of it because we fail. We fail at so many things, and that's and I, I, Kevin. I don't want to harp on this, but going back to MST, MST, you know, homeless, uh, homeless uh, veteran women are the highest, the, the quickest growing rate of veterans that are, are homeless right now, and they're they're women that have been abused in the service MST, and they uh, couldn't find what do you call it? Uh, not not a solution, but there there it was swept under the rug. It wasn't taken care of. Yeah. It wasn't addressed. And these women have, you know, mental issues that are going to, you know, haunt them for the rest of their lives. And now they're living right. on the streets and they're more vulnerable now than they were in the military, but they, you know, they're, they're safe. They're away from that dangerous place. This should have been a place where there's camaraderie, you know, Tiffany and I, we were buddies and, you know, 
we're buddies in a sense that we, number one, we took care of one another. And we drank, we drank and partied. Absolutely. We drank and partied and had a great time. But we respected boundaries. If somebody said, nope, I'm not into that, you stop, you know, and it, you didn't do any, you know, you, there are boundaries and we all have to respect those boundaries. And when it doesn't happen and women, you know, women are harmed, they wind up, it winds up much, much worse. And I know I'm not saying anything very eloquent, and I apologize, but it's something that's very passionate to me. And, and, I, and I see it. I, and that's why I told my, my two girls, I have two girls. I told them, both of them, I don't want you to join the military. I would have loved for them to join the military because I believe in service to my country. Right. But I don't want them to have MST for some asshole that gets drunk with her and thinks they can do whatever they want to, you know, I agree with that. well, and you know, like when, when we were in KK, when I was at KKMC, I was the only female where I yeah. was, I mean, I, I went into a signal program that was, you know, 99% men and I was the only female there. I was 18. I mean, I, you know, I was young, but thank God I'm spunky and, you know, I'm an asshole, Jeff. And so <laughs> I never really went through the problems. And I think they just always thought I was one of the guys. But, you know, I've talked to vets at the VA and stuff. And the things they've gone through is being women. I'm just like, wow. I just feel blessed. I didn't go through any of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's a great statement. I mean, I, I I look back and, you know, the females on our ship, I, I, I talked to all of them till today, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I will tell you one thing, though. Don't you ever tell your wife that was the best four years of your life. Yeah. Oh, man, did I get my butt chewing. Yeah. I mean, and she's like, so your kids, your marriage. I'm like, uh, it's not the same. I know. See, yeah, that's where it goes into that thing of. You know, if you haven't been there, you just don't understand. Well, somebody explained it to her at a reunion. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. You know, <laughs> I, I was going to be in that doghouse for a long time. <laughs> but y'all got anything else y'all would like to add? I think I'm good. And Mitch, you've been quiet. He's, I think he took a nap too. <laughs> but hey i appreciate each and every one of y'all for coming on and i mean it it was a pleasure anytime thank you yeah thank you no thank y'all great to hear these stories but y'all have a wonderful evening and blaine next time i see you the beard right it up right it up beard can do. I mean, Sid, he cut all this off to do this. You didn't even, I mean, just saying. That's right. So, all right. All right. <laughs> thank y'all, Tiffany, Jeffrey, everybody, Mitch. It was very nice meeting y'all. Y'all have a great evening. You too. Right, thank you. Thank you. Y'all, please go to my website at goforsideeffects.wordpress.com or email me at kevinsimon at goforsideeffects.com. And please help support this podcast and the veterans by clicking on the link below. Thank you for your support.